0: Hi everyone and welcome back to Parliamental. I'm Jerry Maguire, your co-host of the podcast alongside Anne McLaughlin.
1: Well, not exactly alongside, but hello.
0: No, well, <laughs> yeah, this is something we need to talk about. Now, we couldn't find an iron board 400 miles long. <laughs> so, uh, this sounds a bit weird, this podcast, but it's because I am currently in my bedroom. And, and I am and not.
1: I no. am, uh, <laughs> I'm at my desk in Westminster.
0: Wow, so we're inside Westminster right now?
1: Yep. So yeah.
0: what's it like? What's your surroundings like?
1: basic um <laughs> nice green carpet white walls uh two desks computer printer and that's it a pile of hankies because i've the got luxury the cold Western.
0: yeah oh, yeah that's it's not it's not just a sound quality it's about if he and nose yeah
1: well. <laughs> i'll try so, not to sniff and the other thing is i have a phone phobia I absolutely hate being on the phone, so if I sound a little bit subdued, it's because I really hate the phone, but I'll try my best to hide it.
0: What we're saying is we've set ourselves up for success this week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we'll, probably, we'll probably win an award for this one, you know, Jenny. This
0: will be the best one. This will be the one that breaks through.
1: <laughs>
0: but anyway, so from my bedroom and Anne's weird office in Westminster, mm-hmm. let's go Parliamental. So and plans were revealed this week for a Scottish Six News. Mm -hmm. So that's news that covers all news from a Scottish perspective. Uh, What's your take on it? Uh,
1: Well, my take is why why wouldn't we, you know, why wouldn't we tell the news from a Scottish perspective? Every other country in the world tells the news from their perspective. Um, And uh, it's given me, you asking me that question gives me the excuse to, plug a really good article that a good friend of mine wrote um, and it was called don't cringe in my backyard it was by stuart cosgrove who is you know obviously fairly well-known media professional um, and it was on the bella caledonia website and he uh, wrote what he might do for tonight's news this was the 25th of february Um, and it was all really good stuff you know i'll just give you a couple of examples if i can in the week that Barack Obama announces the closure of Guantanamo, a special report on the CIA's secret rendition flights via Prestwick. There you go. International, but from a Scottish mm-hmm. perspective. Savile in Scotland, the local fallout of a very British scandal. Cold cases, a set-piece interview with a Lord Advocate on the successes and setbacks of Scotland's innovative cold case murder unit. A whole load of different things that he's got there. I should look it up. If people Google, don't cringe in my backyard... Bella Caledonia, Stuart Cosgrove, or whatever, they'll see it. And he's really just um, trying to paint a picture, because I think we are very guilty in Scotland of this Scottish cringe and thinking, oh, you know, jokes about, oh, you know, if you had the Scottish Six, it would all be everybody in kilts and what do the crankies think of this and all that sort of thing. And it really irritates me, and I'm not saying I've never been guilty of it, but it really irritates me, because since I started to think about it, it makes as much sense as any other country
0: doing it well i mean i first heard a scottish six at uni and my first thought was oh do we need it and it was Uh i mean it was cringe if i'm being perfectly honest but it's only really cringe if you think about it if we have a longer one of what we have now
1: yeah
0: you know if if it's actually a proper replacement for the news and like you're saying it's it's looking worldwide it's reports from all around the world but like what's the scottish take on it yeah then that's really interesting but if it is just a half an hour longer version of the current news which is you know the current news is what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not just a longer version of that it's a complete replacement yeah. and i think that's quite exciting and i don't think people i don't think people understand the value of it until they maybe see it
1: yeah i mean i'll give you another example um so he's got another news article that he would have done on that day which is topical on that day are tightening UK immigration laws, undermining global recruitment within the Dundee games sector. Dundee is at the forefront of uh, computer games uh, industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're having problems because of the UK immigration laws that are tightening up on people coming into the country. So there you go. There's a really important... International, uh, UK-wide, and with a Scottish perspective.
0: It's the thing you can't you can't fix something that doesn't exist. Mm. Know, and if it comes out, I know some people are. There's a lot of frustration in the BBC and the coverage and the referendum and things like that. But and so people, some people are talking about you know if there's a Scottish six, I was at a business for Scotland event uh, during the week, and people are saying if there's a Scottish six, it'll be more of the same kind of you know very pro-union type news, and that might be the case. But it, you're, you're not going to get the kind of news you want. Unless it exists in the first place, and then yeah. once it 's local once it 's been made locally, then people can start to grumble about it and want it better, but yeah. it doesn 't actually exist yet yeah we don 't have that 's
1: true, and it also it might make those journalists feel a bit more like a lot of journalists who you know when they started to think about independence and and how it would give them a different perspective as journalists, they started to come round to the idea. I think doing this from, you know, doing the Scottish Six might make journalists think, actually, you know, we can do things a wee bit differently because we're controlling it now.
0: Um also saw a few photographs of you on Facebook this weekend on something to do with MPs against Trident. Mm. You're all standing behind a CND uh, banner. Mm-hmm. And the other one was you with a celeb and the feet of a political celeb, <laughs> or the shoes of a political celeb. <laughs> So, like, what 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 was going on there? Was it seems like there was two things, something in Westminster and something outside it. So, like, what was going? Yeah.
1: On? Well, uh, before I tell you that, can I just tell you what I'm doing right now? If you sit too still in this office, the lights go out. So I'm actually waving <laughs> my arms about to make them go on again. Right, that's them on again. Right, you can cut that out if you want, Jerry. Um, no, I
0: think that'll be good. So,
1: it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Saturday. Yeah, I've never stayed here for the weekend. Um but I've been trying really hard to get somewhere to live because it's not it's not the easiest thing in the world to, to do to have to find somewhere different to live every week. Um, well, for four days of the week. So I finally found a flat and I was able to move in over the weekend and it also meant I could go to the uh, C&D rally. So the fete photograph, well, that was Nicola Sturgeon. So we were all up on the stage behind her as she addressed the crowds. And it was a massive crowd, I have to say. Um, it was a fantastic day. The demo got held up by an hour because she was mobbed by uh, photographers from all around the world. Um, and then the thing that really pleased me was hearing her. Uh, before she was introduced, somebody had said... Um, was the, the woman that was introducing her said, and that nobody has made more powerful arguments against Trident than the Scottish government, and this English crowd gave you know a real r- huge round of applause at that point. Then, when they introduced her and said her name the the response from the crowd was incredible um, wow. it was really good, but I was more interested in what she had on her feet because we'd walked for about two miles and I had flat shoes on, but my feet were sore. Um, but, yeah, so she, I just thought it was worth photographing those uh, flat shoes that she had on, because she never wears flat shoes. Um, and the celebrity, is that Vanessa Redgrave? Yes, it was. Oh, so excited. Um <laughs>
0: So is, is Vanessa Redgrave, I'm taking it, she's um, sort of anti-new, oh, kind of pro-C&D pro Oh, no,
1: totally. And so she was on the date and she was making a speech as well. And I told her after I got my photo taken with her, I said, you know, Nicola Sturgeon came up to me today and said, look, 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 and showed me her selfie with Vanessa Redgrave. I said she was really excited. And Vanessa Redgrave said, was she? She said, I was really excited. <laughs> and I thought, it just felt so funny that Vanessa Redgrave was telling me she was so excited to have her photo taken with my friend. Um, and uh, she was saying, "Oh, I wish I could get a photo of a copy of that." So I was trying to get an email address out for so I could send her it, but she wasn't falling for it. She obviously knew I would. Right. She obviously knew I'd be stalking her when I, what? when I eventually get kicked out of Parliament and want to go back to acting, I'd have been emailing her every day, saying.
0: What so were you trying your, your your Nigerian Prince fishing scam? there? trying to get her details. I, out
1: of her? Didn't it work though?
0: But, so you said then, I mean, it sounds like Nicola Sturgeon basically got a great response absolutely. then. Absolutely, from,
1: from the absolutely. And the MPs against Trident, um, well, it was just SNP MP, MPs. It is a cross-party banner that we, the, those of us that are against Trident had got, and we did a photo through the weekend, there were Labour MPs and obviously Caroline Lucas from the Greens. Uh, yep. There might have been a Lib Dem, not sure. And, um, and us in Plaid Cymru and... Uh, But on the march, it was just SNP MPs. Of course, Caroline Lucas was speaking at it and Jeremy Corbyn Mm -hmm. came. um, Well, he couldn't come for the march. He came, although that was what I noticed about the media down here. Uh, We all met at 12 o'clock and started walking, walked the two miles. (laughs) Then we all stood up on the stage and all these people spoke. And then we left about half past two. And then at four o'clock, Jeremy Corbyn came along. I'm not going to make any comment. I don't know why that was. I had heard a rumour he didn't want to be on a platform with Nicola and Caroline and um, Leanne Wood from Plaid Cymru. I find that very difficult to believe, having spoken to him a number of times. However, he turned up at four o'clock and got all the headlines. <laughs> it was like it was like none, Nicola wasn't there, Leanne wasn't there, yes. Caroline wasn't there. It was just Cherry Van- that was
0: there. Vanessa Redgrave wasn't exactly, there.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: If he'd if had a Scottish six, like the fact our, mm-hmm. our leader, I know that, you know, I mean, I'm guessing everyone who listens to the podcast is probably pro independence and then supports maybe Nicola Sturgeon and you some would hope. Um But you would hope that, you know, the, the leader <laughs> lead of our country spoke at an anti nuclear rally and we didn't really hear much about it. I know, I
1: know, that would be a bit odd. But I think she was in some of the Scottish papers, but certainly the English papers. Should would have been in the papers overseas, of course, because loads and loads of people came and loads of photographers from overseas were taking photos. But it was an interesting day.
0: Now, Anne, I know you're the veteran of one referendum, as we all are, (laughs) but there's another referendum coming up. Now we've got a European in-out referendum now in June, I think? I
1: think 23rd June? of June.
0: 23rd yeah. of June. And this week, Nicola Sturgeon launched the SNP in Europe campaign. Uh-huh. She gave a big speech uh today's Tuesday. She gave a big speaking, uh, speech on mm-hmm. Monday. So just chatting about it, but before that, what's your prediction? What do you think is going to happen in that referendum?
1: Uh, I know everyone's predicting that England will vote to leave and Scotland will vote to stay in, but I actually think the whole of the UK will vote to stay in. I think when the uh-huh. arguments are made... I think there's a lot of confusion and a lot a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. Not because people aren't capable of understanding, but Europe is so big and it's more complicated. Yeah, such a complicated year. topic. and it doesn't have to be that complicated. But you know, once the campaigns get their acts together and start giving out the information, I actually think these predictions that the UK will vote to leave uh, will be proved to be wrong. So I think the
0: whole of the UK will vote to stay in. That's interesting. So is that? I mean, is that your personal? hope then, the hope that we, that we all vote yes, is that what you want?
1: Yeah, because I think Europe um, is a force for good. Uh, if you look at the reasons why it was set up, you know, after the end of the Second World War, it's a force for good. It's done so much good. Um, and I would like to think, you know, obviously we're going to be leaving the UK, I don't know when, but yeah, we're going to be doing yeah. it. And I would like yeah. to think that, you know, people in England... Um, and until they also leave Wales, we're not left to the mercy of the British Tories uh, with no protection. So I hope we vote to stay
0: in. Is Europe such an interesting topic? Because you're right, it's, it's built on foundations that kind of keeping Europe together. And then there's so many things that are such positives. But... There's also kind of dodgy free market things going on in Europe as well, so it's a really—it's easy to kind of criticise Europe from the left and the right because it's such a complicated topic. But yeah. but for me, it's one of those things where if we were to leave Europe. Think who's running the show on the first day? Yeah. Without not in Europe, it's a, it's a majority conservative government who have got all. I mean, I don't think that. I don't think the working working hours of the week. I think that, are they going to go up or down? They'll probably go no. up. Um, mm-hmm. Maternity leave, all these sorts of things that you know fine well. A conservative government want to just get rid yeah. of. So th- that would happen really quickly, so I think whatever your point of view in Europe, whether you think you're for it or you're against it, I think most people can agree that actually right now in this current circumstance if we were to come out of it, I think we'd be uh, in trouble yeah. personal. Yeah, me too, I agree with you But w- what do you think if we're forced out, Scotland's forced yeah. out against our vote, or even vice versa that England's kept in because of Scottish votes like, wh- what do you, th- how do you think that would play out if there was that kind of schism in the UK between that, like I'd, I'd,
1: mm.
0: I'd imagine it'd be pretty fractious.
1: Um, I've not, uh, I mean, I've heard all sorts of predictions, so the prediction that, you know, I keep hearing most of is that uh, the rest of the UK will vote to, well, England will vote to leave, Scotland will vote to stay in, the Tories will implode, Uh, Labour will be trying to get the Tories to call a snap general election. And Nicola will call a referendum on her independence before the end of the year. I mean, the way some people are talking, I'll be out here in a year's time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like a, a bomb went off there. This There's so many predictions, that like you're saying about. All the things that can happen. I think that's why people enjoy. It sounds terrible to talk about it like it's entertainment, I but I think people enjoy it because because it, it is kind of cataclysmic. It's kind of apocalyptic the way you talk about it. You know, know, governments getting forced out, new elections, political landscape changing, Scottish referendum. Yeah. Like it's it's sort of everyone's sort of political kind of fantasy dream all happening <laughs> in one go. I know. I am mean, this... not
1: sure how good it would be for people uh, having to live through it, but it's certainly from yeah. my point of view. I think oh, that'll liven things up down here a wee bit. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely
1: a bit spicy. And it, is, it was interesting watching them, uh, talking about Europe last week, watching the Tories um, starting to, you know, kind of start to, well, I mean, when David Cameron made his uh, statement after his renegotiation, as he called it, um, and uh, Boris Johnson was pulling faces and occasionally mouthing, rubbish, rubbish, I found mm-hmm. that entertaining. Then again, I've just done what I was criticising uh, journalists for doing, and that is focusing on Boris, um, because yeah. we should be focusing on the arguments. But for the for the entertainment value, if we had spitting image still up and running, which I know is a bit of an obsession of mine, it has been for a long time, <laughs> if we spit an image up and running, we'd have to be running film, feature-length films at the moment, with all the stuff that's happening down here because of that. So... The certainly entertainment value.
0: Yeah, I think if we come out, we'll end up there'll be a hundred-page glossy private eye yeah. edition.
1: <laughs> Probably.
0: Just changing topic, you also asked a question of James Brokenshire, who's got the the, the strangest surname that I've ever heard. <laughs> um, you asked them a written question. I saw it kind of that as a kind of question, a very formal statement. Mm. So, what was the what was the question you asked them?
1: Oh, was that the question about how long it normally takes for somebody to get British citizenship once they've applied? Yeah. Right. Like, the reason I was asking that is I get an awful lot of people coming to the office or coming to surgery saying, I have been, I applied for British citizenship at X time, I've waited this length of time and it's taking up, we're getting a lot of them and it's taking up a lot of time in the office, you know, inquiring after this, chasing it up and all the rest of it. So I thought I would ask to find out if my constituents are waiting longer than normal Uh, And they are. (laughs) I mean, what he said, I think it works out about three months normally. So the people that are coming to me have been waiting between six months and two years. So it clearly is too long. That was the only reason I was asking it. It was just because I thought if he said the average length of time was 18 months, well, obviously that's not great. But it means if somebody comes to me and says I've been waiting a year, I can say to them, well, look, come back to me in six months' time and we'll pursue that for you because you've not... that's." You know, does it takes longer yeah. than that? So, just a practical question, to be honest.
0: I was reading that, wondering if you were trying to set a trap for him, but just a very practical <laughs> question.
1: <laughs> and uh, so now I can tell the staff in the office uh, that uh, each of them have a case to be pursued. So there you go. There's more work. More work for you. Uh, They'll be delighted to hear it.
0: You also, and you're running advice surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, just wanted, just a quick thing, just to let people know, like so. In case people are not sure, like what is a surgery? What can people expect when they come along? And and how do they actually come along to one of them? Do they need to book? Do they need to email you? Or can they just rock uh, up?
1: They can just rock up. Now, there's lots of ways that they can get my help. They can email me or they can um, phone the office in Glasgow, 0141 404 obviously you need to be a constituent. So 0141 uh, 404 6232. They can phone the office and we can start to deal with their case without actually seeing them as long as we get them post them out a mandate form. They sign it. They give us all the information. They can give us it over the phone, email anything else, and we can deal with it. And to be honest, that's the best way for us to deal with it. But lots of people actually want to meet their MP and speak to their MP in person. So at the surgery, they last an hour... Um, we've got them in various different places. I think the next one's a on on um, Friday. But I've got them right across the constituency. And uh, they just come along uh, between the time. Now, I do say to people, though, if it says 10 till 11, don't come at two minutes till 11 because we're out of there at 11 um, because we've only booked it for an hour. So people just tend to come and they wait. Um, it's first come, first served. And if there's six people they get 10 minutes each. If there's four people, they get 15 minutes each. And all we do is take the initial concerns, take down their contact details and what their initial concerns is. So don't worry that you're only going to get 10 to 15 minutes, you know, I'll get to know about your problem and then we will contact you later if we need more information. And of course, if we send off, I don't know, say your problem is that, um, uh, let me think, The the, D, the DWP have stopped your disability payments because they're claiming that you could hold down five jobs despite the fact that you've been in a coma for six months, you know, that kind of thing that happens all the time. Um, That sort of thing, if there's a problem like with the DWP, then we will write to them, to the MP's service, and we'll send you a copy of the letter and when they responses, we'll get in touch with you and let you know what the response is. So we keep in touch with you every step of the way. The surgery is just to say hello and give us your basic uh, background to the problem.
0: And finally, Anne, I'm just going to wrap the podcast up because you know it's the people are hearing the sniffles, <laughs> they're hearing the 400 mile distance. You know it can't be an auditory experience. And there's really there's no and Ironing
1: Board and no Tinkerbell.
0: No Ironing Board, no Tinkerbell. Like what is This isn't even a podcast anymore. We should, this is something different. This is something secondary. <laughs> anyway, but I think you were at you were at a reggae event and do you want to, do you want to maybe end on the regiment? tells Tell us what it was, tell us what it was like. I
1: have to tell you, my um, this is my cool factor, you see. Um, so the Jamaican High Commission, I've met the commissioner a number of times.
0: and <laughs> Just drop I've met the commissioner a number oh, of times.
1: Oh, no, time. no. Just, <laughs> all right, okay. I've met the, did that sound really bad? I've met the commissioner, the High Commissioner for Jamaica because she was at the Commonwealth Games and we were doing, myself and Graham were doing A play about the links between Jamaica and Scotland. That's how I'm there. So, um, She has invited me to a couple of things, and this was an event at the Jamaican High Commission to celebrate Reggae Month, which is February. It'll be February because that's when Bob Marley's birthday is, Um, but they've decided it's a whole month of celebrations. But of course, uh, there were votes on the Welfare Reform Bill, so by the time that finished and I got out of here, I missed the actual talk about Reggae Month, I missed the reggae music. And all I had time for was chatting to people and drinking rum punch. But hey. Um, But yes, I think that's what makes makes me cool. But I've got to tell you something really funny that happened at the weekend regarding being cool. Graham's godson is um, 18, I think he is now, lives in London. And he came um, to pay a visit. And we met him at a place called E Street, near the E Street Market, which is near where I moved to at the weekend. And then he said, oh, this is amazing. I've met him loads of times, right? But he kept going on about how amazing it was and how cool it was that an MP could be in E Street. And he kept saying, I think you're probably the only MP who's ever been to E Street. I'm guessing he thinks that E Street is just a bit down market for an MP. And I kept laughing at him saying, I'm quite certain I won't be the only MP that's ever been here. And so the next day, Tommy Shepherd, who's one of the Edinburgh MPs, um, had invited a few of us round to his house for dinner. He's a great cook, by the way. He was on MasterChef final um, 20 years ago, and I can see why he's really good. But he invite, invited us round, and I said, you cooked all this yourself, didn't you, Tommy? And he said, yeah, yeah, I just went down to East Street Market today to to get the ingredients. And the, Brendan O'Hara was there. He's the Argyle MP, and he said, oh, I was down at East Street Market today. And then today, oh, I can't remember who it was, but who... I, oh, no, last night I was going home in the bus and there's a Labour MP called Stephen McCabe who comes from Port Glasgow and went to Port Glasgow High School, the school that I went to uh, before me. And I was chatting to him on the bus and he was saying, uh, I was in E Street Market the other day and I thought, actually, there's probably more MPs in E Street Market than there are in the House of Commons so I'm just going to have to tell him he'll need to revise his view of MPs or his view of East Street yeah. Market because he certainly thought it was really cool that an MP would go to East Street Market
0: <laughs> Either go to a surgery or just go to East Street Market you'll find an MP, it might not be yours but you'll find one. <laughs> It's on the up and up East Street then I'm guessing
1: Maybe some people would see it the opposite way Jerry. not the up and up, maybe <laughs> the
0: opposite <laughs> And that brings us to the end of another episode of Parliamental. Now, this one has been a weird one. There's been no ironing board. Mm, there's been Tinkerbell. bell. No there's been the flu uh, yeah. or
1: something.
0: Well, I don't think it would go as far to call it the flu. Sorry. I'm
1: not a man. I've got a sniffle.
0: Oh, sorry, I'll wind that back in. A apology. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's been a weird one. But I think it's good. That's good to have this, knowing that if you're in London and we can't we can't do this, but we can still get a parliamental. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Next nice week experiment. Yeah. But I hope hope everyone listened to uh, listened to it at home and enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can get us on Twitter at Parliamental Pod, Facebook Search for Parliamental, and via email at parliamentalpodcast at gmail.com. Again, subscribe to his and iTunes and leave a review if you like the show. So and will be back in a fortnight with another episode, hopefully with an iron board. <laughs>
1: yeah, and a cat.
0: So thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. now recording a call um, and legally i need to tell you that <laughs> i'm recording a call
1: i'm gonna deny you said that oh no i know. to say that <laughs>